This week, our guide to visiting the green cliffs of Mesa Verde National Park, which is so much more than just cliff dwellings. Plus, you may have heard of 14-day quarantines for people who are traveling right now. We talk about what those mean and what to expect if you hit the road this summer. This is RV Miles. RV Miles is supported by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean believes the more time you spend outside together, the better. That's why they design products that make it easier to take longer walks, have deeper talks, and never worry about the weather. Discover clothing, outerwear, footwear, and gear made for every type of adventure with the outside built right in. Because on the inside, we're all outsiders. Be an outsider with L.L. Bean. Welcome to episode 152 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. We have moved on. We are coming to you from a new campground after another long five, six weeks, six weeks weeks stay uh, outside of the Mesa Verde National Park area, which is our topic for this episode. So now that we've experienced it all, we get to talk about it uh, quite a bit. And I'm, I'm excited about it because it's it's one of my favorite parks so it far. landed in my top five yeah. absolutely but we are now outside of great sand dunes national park and uh we're, we're recording outside uh something we haven't been able to do in quite a while so mm-hmm. i'm excited to get to do this and the wind had died down but the wind has picked up so you may hear a little bit of wind noise but uh i'm i'm so happy to be here in this spot in this campground because this place is like it's super no frills except for like two massive frills one is very close to the park Mm -hmm. and two the sunsets behind us right now are incredible they're epic they're just spectacular and we're in a period right now of somewhat faster travel for us which is something we haven't done in a really really long time and i almost don't know how to do it like we are only at this campground for four days that's all we could get and then we're going to try our hand at some boondocking which will be the first time we have boondocked in ranger gandalf Traley, the second working title that may sound crazy we've had this thing for a year uh but if you know those the few that are hey, longtime listen. listeners know that a month after uh we got back on the road with this trailer is when i had my brain surgery so we just really haven't had the opportunity to boondock yet well it wasn't just your brain then COVID 19 happened and we sat down in the sedona area for three months and then we transitioned into colorado and we wanted to stay put for as long as possible in one place so we did kind of like a quarantine for six weeks in the mesa verde area and now we're going to move a little bit faster through colorado uh but i definitely didn't get out all the things while we're here i didn't really set up camp you know we took a couple chairs out because that's how we watched the sunset at night which as jason said is the most spectacular thing i think it's probably the most spectacular sunsets oh, we have sure. ever seen i don't i don't see jason between the hours of like 7 30 and 9 because all he's doing is he's just over there on the ridge with his camera, with the drone, 
just I he's probably got like a thousand shots at this point <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna do with all of them but each one is just so spectacular <laughs> well I'm gonna put a few in this this video okay. if you're watching this episode on YouTube <laughs> you're seeing some shots of the sunset right now yeah, maybe I'll um, use one well maybe I'll use one for show notes or something one day on the website who knows <laughs> but more about this area on a future episode we'll talk all about our visit here to Great Sand Dudes National Park uh, later on uh, today is all about Mesa Verde, um, which we'll get to after the break. But I want to start the show today talking about 14-day quarantines. And we talked a little bit about them uh, a while back when we were beginning to talk about restrictions due to the coronavirus. And we haven't really talked about travel restrictions much lately because our, our main advice has been, hey, it's different everywhere. Things are opening up new things are closing again stuff is changing and you just have to be on your toes and and check your route check the places that you're going to go and if you don't have to leave your state if you don't have to leave your area then just don't get to know your local camping spots that's kind of been what we've been going through you know we moved into colorado and like i said we stayed in one place for six weeks we treated it as a quarantine and so now we're spending the entire summer here in the state we're not bouncing from state to state to state to state right now because it's all just changing so quickly but this 14 day question is a question that floods all of our groups, especially our America's National Parks Facebook group, as so many people are looking to go to the parks. What does that mean for them? What does it mean to quarantine? A lot of people want to go to the state of Maine right now, and they feel very, very confused by what is going on up there. This is the month that you go to Maine. If this you go to Maine, the, you go to Maine during is, July or August, and that's yeah, it. This is Acadia, for <laughs> sure. Um, so, and same, same deal with Canada. A lot of people want to go to Canada. The border is closed. They are letting people into Canada if they are going directly to Alaska and don't stop. But apparently some people have been ignoring that and going to <laughs> national parks and getting massive fines in Canadian national parks. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, Canada would like you to just drive through. Please respect Canada's wishes and drive through. So the biggest question that's coming up, though, is that a state has a 14-day quarantine. So, for instance, New Mexico or Maine, they ha if they say that when you arrive in our state, you have to quarantine for 14 days, does that mean you have to stay in that state for 14 days? What if you're just passing through? And this got very confusing in the last couple of days because a spokesperson for the state of New Mexico uh, in an interview on television said, yes, it means you must stay in our state for 14 days. So you can't pass through. Hmm. Uh, he's totally wrong however uh so that i mean that's this is the th issue that we get into is sometimes even public officials are wrong about what the orders and the law say so what why would you want them to stay like <laughs> exactly why, why would you want them to stay for 14 days exactly they just need like four hours on your highway to get to their next destination why do you want them to stay for 14 days before they drive the rest of the four hours on the highway? So the way most of these 14-day orders are written, and I guess let me give you a little bit of background why we even have these. It's unconstitutional for states to not allow interstate travel. And you can understand why. There are people that live on the border of New Mexico and Texas that work in Texas but live in New Mexico, right? You don't want those people to not be able to travel the 
five miles across the border to their job. When I was a new worker in one of my very first office jobs was I was living in Missouri, but I was working in Kansas. And it's very common for people to live in that one state and then travel to work into the other. And in fact, when I was growing up, it was always buy MoCan first, buy Missouri and Kansas products first, because those that border was just so intertwined together. Like, I can't understand that if I was working in Missouri and needed to travel over to Kansas, that they'd be like, well, you need to stay here for 14 days before you can go to work. So because states can't close their borders, they have implemented these 14-day quarantines instead. Now, part of the reason is just a deterrent. They just are trying to deter people from traveling. And part of the reason is to keep their residents safe. Um, So what a quarantine is is you don't go anywhere, right? You don't do anything. And that, that means gas station and all, it, it means you only go out if you really have to in case of an emergency. So you need to have all your ducks in a row for that entire time that you're uh, in that state for that, at least those 14 days, you have to have your groceries and stuff like that. Some states are even saying, call the police. They will bring you your groceries. You order them from Walmart, they will bring them to you or try to use delivery services if you can. Um, And mainly that's not supposed to be for travelers. That's supposed to be for people that are sick and are by themselves and need to quarantine themselves. But uh, quarantine really means quarantine. It doesn't mean shelter in place. It doesn't mean stay at home. It means you don't go out. And uh, in a campground, that means probably that you stay in your site and you don't go around the campground. Like those are things that you have to think about. So the way these orders are written is that you have to quarantine for 14 days or for the entire duration that you were in the state, whichever is shorter, which that spokesperson actually said in that interview, but apparently didn't realize what it means. (laughs) But whichever is shorter means that if you're only going to be in the state for two days, you only have to quarantine for that amount of time. If you're just passing through, it's it's not a big deal and you'll be fine. but these these quarantine orders are written differently and they're not just state by state some municipalities some counties also have quarantine orders even if the entire state doesn't so you have to be able to um, check your route and know where you're going and, and know what the deal is our feeling is sort of that as travelers you know a lot of people are beginning to travel now uh, we are traveling even though we're taking it easy and slow and trying to be careful we are traveling um our feeling is we are guests in these areas mm-hmm. and it's about going above and beyond what orders are, what laws are. And, um, and just assuming that we have the virus mm-hmm. that's really, you know, wear the masks wherever you can. I mean, it's, it's, it's simple. Just put them on to, and keep away from people. I mean, that's really all you have to do. And that's what we do. And that's what we do. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, it's not bad. I have nothing to say on it because I 100% agree with you. So the long story short on this is that if you are planning to travel anywhere at all, try to do as much of a deep dive into the city, the county, and the state guidelines so that you know what you're getting into and you can make the best decision if that's even the right route for you because you don't want to get somewhere and have this trip planned and then find that you cannot do anything. And stuff changes. So you could Mm -hmm. get somewhere and stuff changes while you're there or just before you leave, all that sort of stuff. Again, be flexible, be prepared for anything to happen. 
it's probably okay to travel if you're somebody that is willing to travel respectfully. I don't even want to say safely. It's not about your safety. It's about respecting the areas that you're going to. We're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to talk about Mesa Verde National Park. I'm excited. The RV Miles podcast is supported by Harvest Hosts. Get back on the road again safely with a Harvest Hosts membership. Enjoy wide open RV camping on over a thousand wineries, farms, breweries, museums, and other unique attractions that invite RVers to visit and stay overnight for free. Plus, you're supporting local business who need help right now. RV Miles listeners can save 15% off a Harvest Hosts membership with code MILES. That's Miles for 15% off your Harvest Hosts membership. And by Amazon Camper Force. Get on the road with Amazon Camper Force. Amazon has work camper jobs that offer competitive wages and paid campground fees up to $550 per month earn completion bonuses, and be a part of a community that'll keep you coming back year after year. Go to amazon.com slash camperforcemiles to learn more and choose your site today. That's amazon.com slash camperforcemiles. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. We'll link to Harvest Hosts and Amazon Camperforce in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 152. Somebody shared in the RV Miles Facebook group the other day uh, a stop at a Harvest Host location, uh, which was a, a tiger rescue, a big cat <laughs> rescue. And you can thought, like volunteer and feed tigers and stuff. I was like, did they go to Tiger King? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? You have yet to watch Tiger King. No, I haven't. I'm not ever going to. I don't need to. We'll ever. blow your mind. I'm just going to wait for the Rob Lowe movie. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. I can be cracked, I can be made, I can be told, I can be played. What am I? A joke. Just like these brain teasers. <laughs> we'll have a new brain teaser later in the show. But now it's time to talk about Mesa Verde National Park. And I got to be honest, um, you know, after going to Gila Cliff Dwellings mm -hmm. and going to Bandelier National Monument, both excellent cliff dwelling national park service sites um i i it's not that i didn't want to go to mesa verde i thought it'd be okay if i missed it like i felt like i saw some good cliff dwellings um you had been there done that syndrome yeah and bit. i wanted to do new things um, yes. and maybe come back to mesa verde um someday boy i'm glad we went because it is just uh, it is much bigger park than I thought. Yeah. It is a much more diverse park in terms of offerings than I thought. Um, and we just had a fantastic time. Absolutely. And, you know, Mesa Verde is one of those parks in Colorado that doesn't get the kind of love that it should. This is the park that everyone says, can I skip? Uh, I've got all these other ones on my list. And then so many people who have been always say, no, 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 put Mesa Verde on your list. And I'm one of those people now. Every time someone pops up and they're talking about their Colorado travels or they share an itinerary and they don't have Mesa Verde on there, I'm that person now that says you need to put this on your list. And here are the five reasons why. Yeah. And it, it's, a, it's, it's a little weird, right? Because it's you, you want to go to the Rocky Mountains. You want to see these giant mountains and you want the red cliffs of Utah 
yeah. in Arizona. And this is just in a spot that's kind of in between and you don't know what it is really until you get there. Um, so let's talk about what it is. It's absolutely, it, it's these green covered mesas. I mean, they're beautiful, uh, pieces of landscape where ancient is, is ancient the right word? And we're talking 700 to 1200 years ago. Yeah. Um, Native Americans dwelled. Yeah, it's the ancient Pueblos. Yeah. So they lived here. They started in pit houses, then they moved into more upper level communities. And then around the 1200s, 1250s, they started moving into these cliff dwellings. And all of this has been preserved in one way or another here in Mesa Verde National Park. You can see the evolution of the ancient Pueblo people. And it's really, really fascinating. But this park is so much more, too. First, a word of caution or just a, uh, some advice from us to you. There is a 21-mile drive once you reach the park to get to the top of the mesas to start experiencing some of these what would be ranger-led tours. They're not happening right now. You can't go into the cliff dwellings. You can still view them. But there are no tours. The 21 mile drive made someone in our family sick every single time we did it we did it three times now our family has a high propensity yeah. for motion sickness yeah. so if you don't have that it's <laughs> not that much different than a lot of other park roads it's well, just it's, a long it's a longest drive you, you there is some stuff to do in the front of the park but the the main attractions are up, in the back of the park up. yeah yeah so when you come into the park, you're going to have, immediately when you come in, you're going to see the visitor center. That is closed right now as well, but they have what they're calling their virtual visitor center, and they had sitting out all the information you need. There was a ranger who was present to answer some questions, but I loved the fact that they had in one of those old magazine racks, like the pull-down handle ones, they had junior ranger booklets in there with the badge right on them. So you could just safely take the booklets, you could do the booklets, and then you could have the Junior Ranger ceremony at home, which is what we did. Uh, from there, when you start making your way into the park, I thought that this was really, really cool. Like once you get past the ranger station, there's that pull-off where you can like dump your trailer or dump your RV if you're not going to the campground. Yeah, you there's there's a parking lot. That's, so, so the visitor center is outside the, the entrance gate, Yeah, right? And then you you can go to the visitor center, then you go through the entrance gate, and then just after that, there's this lot on the left. And it's because trailers are not allowed in the park past the past the campground area. And we really um, do mean trailers, like anything yeah. you're hooking up. We saw class A's and class C's, and we saw vans up there, but anything you have to hook up and pull, you cannot take with you up to the Mesa top. Now, um, that doesn't mean that you can't drive bigger RVs into the park. There is, It is a, a windy road with some steep climbs and stuff, but it's not bad. There are tour buses that go through there. We saw lots of big rig RVs that go through there. You can drive your bigger RV through the park. But if you have a toad pulling behind you, you can unhitch it and just drive that into the park from that lot. Or you can leave your trailer behind if you have a trailer. And it's not too far to drive into the campground. Like once you get past the ranger station, full disclosure, we wanted to drive through the campground and we actually never got around to doing it. Our last adventure into Mesa Verde lasted way longer than we thought it would <laughs> Dead. and so we just were like we need out of here and we need food and we need to get down off this mesa but 
there did seem to be a few hikes, at least one that was recommended to us from that campground. So it does seem like the campground has a lot of really great options. I, is it privately run? Let's just talk about campgrounds for a minute. The, Let's do it. The Moorfield Campground is the campground that is in the park. And there are a couple of campgrounds, private campgrounds right outside the park gates as well. But the, par the campground in the park is Moorfield. It is owned by the National Park Service. It is ran by a concessionaire, so you're not gonna get those discounts from the access pass and the senior pass, uh, but it is in a great spot. It uh, has a gas station, it has laundry, um, pretty much everything you need. It is, from what I understand, from the, the part of the reason why we didn't stay there, looking at the reviews on Camp Pendingham and stuff, there's no cell service there, which, which tracks because there's not a lot of cell service in the park. And the sites are generally not super big rig friendly like 35 feet and under ought to be all right but there might be very few sites for over 35 feet and they were full yeah. they were booked they were I booked. Mean, they were booked the whole time we were there and it's a big campground um, yes but uh i will say you know the park was not busy even though the campground was booked the park itself was was not that busy and our entire time you know there on a given day we may have came across a dozen people or, or yeah. one day, maybe a few more, but... I mean, the yeah. most interaction we had with people was when we just crossed a few people on a trail. You know, for the most part, as long as you stay away from visitor centers, and, you know, once you get up to the top of the Mesa, there is an, a museum, and there's a few other things up there. There's a lodge up there. There's, you know, cafeterias, a couple restaurants, things like that. But, you know, as long as you don't go into those things, your odds of really encountering people in a national park diminish greatly. And so we never really encountered anybody outside of our friends that we went with. And we were a large group. So I think that helps two people stay away from us because between the two families were 10 people. So, you know, I, I felt really good in the park. I felt really, you know, safe in the park. And I felt like we were doing what was being asked of us by the rangers and by the National Park Service in order for them to reopen this park and for us to enjoy it. Now, we stayed at a park called Echo Basin Resort. So this campground is in the town of Mancos, and it was about a 20, 25, 30 minute drive yeah. to the to the visitor center part of Mesa Verde, um, which was fine for us because this campground was super nice. It was up in the mountains a little bit. There are a lot of mountains in, in this area. Um, the mountains of the San Juan National Forest, it actually butted right up against the San Juan it National Forest. It was so beautiful. Um, we were 7,800 yeah. feet up. Mancos is 700, so we climbed another 800 to get up to the campground. Again, we were treated to spectacular sunsets every night. You mule deer, and there were some rain around us and you know Jason and I had our nightly walk that we took kind of outside the campground down the county road and I mean it was just it was really really perfect environment to go and stay somewhere for six weeks laundry on site a restaurant and bar on site like yeah we could order takeout <laughs> which we did I think mm -hmm. we did that two or three times while we were there which was really a treat to just be able to order takeout walk over to the restaurant and get it. And then sometimes we would go for a walk, just Jason and I, and the kids would be quiet and on their devices. And we'd grab a couple frozen margaritas from the bar. And, you know, it was just, it made it really, really 
really easy to stay there. Yeah. And not too terribly expensive no. for full hookups in Colorado. There is some really excellent boondocking in the San Juan National Forest right behind this campground in that area. Um, some gorgeous, gorgeous boondocking spots. Not big, big rig friendly boondocking well, spots, though. At least the first two or three. The lower three, elevations yeah. you could. But the higher elevations, if you have a smaller rig, you can really get back in there, get on some cliff tops and see some gorgeous yes. sunsets and some beautiful mountain views. There's lots of mountains in this in this sort of ridge line and um uh but we enjoy just driving back up in there there's lots mm -hmm. it's a great visit on its own there's lots of trails and stuff but you could boondock there and then go into echo basin resort for a night or two to dump and fill and shower and laundry and all that sort of stuff if you wanted to as well but it is you know it, it's about an hour from leaving that resort to get to the park and all the way to the back of the park where the sort of main attraction stuff is. But it's such a beautiful yeah. hour, though. So oh, it's, it's really hard to look at that as a negative because just coming down yeah. out of the mountain, out of the San Juan Forest, going over to Mesa Verde, and then making that drive back up to the Mesa, it's just from start to finish, there's always something that's going to catch your eye every single time. I miss it already. I have to admit, I miss the area. I'm glad to be moving again. But I had really grown fond of just how beautiful that part of Colorado was and how much that surprised me because, you know, as we were getting closer and closer to our destination, we weren't seeing the landscape shift a whole lot. It was still looking a lot like Arizona. And in my mind, I'm thinking, when am I going to feel like I'm in Colorado? When am I going to feel that Colorado feel? And then it was just sort of like it popped. The Colorado feel, the Colorado feel starts like right there at that San Juan National yes. Forest where 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 we were camping like that is where the first real big mountains are yeah. when you're coming in through the Four Corners area. And it was an adjustment for our family. We have never camped that high before. We've never camped at 7,800 feet for such a long period of time. And those first couple of weeks, we really did take a long time to acclimate. It was probably around week 4 that it just started to feel normal. Now, you can stay in the town of Cortez, uh, which is to the west of, of the park, and there are lots of campgrounds there. That's going to be a town more than Manco's that has more restaurant options, more grocery store options, stuff like that. Manco's is pretty small. It's got a few little little tiny shops and a few little restaurants, but not mm -hmm. much. But I think we preferred the, the Mancos area, particularly because um, it was also a, a lot closer for us to get to uh, Durango, mm -hmm. which we can talk about on a future episode. And we absolutely love Durango and some of the stuff we did in that area. So it's kind of a great spot in Mancos there, Echo Basin, to do the National Forest, which is a great visit onto itself and go to Mesa Verde and go over to Durango and all that sort of stuff. So and in we case liked it. you're worried, we did have pizza. We, <laughs> we did have pizza from Manco's, Manco's Pizza. pizza. <laughs> and it was fine. It was pizza that serviceable was serviceable pizza. Yeah, it was pizza that was close to us and it definitely served its purpose. Now, I do want to give a shout out though to Absolute Bakery Cafe which is in Mancos. They are a fantastic cafe. Please go there if you find yourself in the area. Their baked goods are phenomenal. Their breakfast 
Their breakfast burritos are so good. They do fresh baked bread. We got the multi-grain, I think like the seven grain or something like that one day, and they sliced it up. It was delicious. Their French toast is wonderful. That's where we spent Father's Day for Jason. We took him down to ABC. We got some breakfast there before we went to Mesa Verde. Absolutely loved that place. It was a highlight of the trip. Now, I do want to add a couple words on driving to this region specifically because people ask a lot when they get into the mountainous regions of the country, you know, what's the route to get to where I'm going because I'm really concerned about mountain passes and that sort of stuff. Rightly so. So if you are coming from uh, the south or, or the west, not going to have a whole lot of problems. If you're coming from the east... Uh, on Highway 160. Uh, the park is right off of Highway US 160. Uh, 160 has Wolf Creek Pass, just east of Pagosa Springs. So, um, I don't know, 100 miles from the park or so. Yeah. So, if you're coming from the east, you do have to go over Wolf Creek Pass, which we did the other direction. We, we'll talk about that on a future it, it, episode. It was fine. No, it was, I, mean, <laughs> I can't talk about it. It's we, making my palms We sweat. did okay, um, but it, it, it's not something I want to do in bad weather, and it's not something I want to do if my rig was underpowered in any way. So, if you are coming from that direction and you don't have uh, confidence in your rig... You're going to want to cross the Continental Divide a little bit further south, probably through New Mexico, across you, across uh, I-25 or I-40, and, yeah, and then head up through through like Shiprock on US-491. Let's just say that that was the longest eight miles of my life. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was gorgeous, and it was a lot of fun. But. I was, I was physically the next day drained <laughs> like I was I felt like I had run a marathon the day before and all it was was because I was in a constant state <laughs> of nervous anxiety for eight miles <laughs> it was totally fine it's totally fine mm -hmm. uh, one other word about driving driving in the park and I think this is true of most national parks uh, the rangers are <laughs> They are really watching for speeders. Mm -hmm. We saw within one hour, four different vehicles pulled over. And they were speeding, but they weren't going that fast over the speed limit. When they say 25. speed limit 25. They mean 25. They mean 25. Yes. Yes. Do not speed in, in Mesa Verde in particular, but most national parks. And they do. It, there's no warnings <laughs> from law enforcement rangers well, of the National Park Service. Don't speed. Yeah. I mean, that's there's well, signs there. That's the speed limit. That and is they your have warning. This, they have this dual purpose of protecting the visitors who are often crossing the road mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff and protecting wildlife. I mean, wildlife conservation is a big part of the speed limits in national parks. Yes. Also the sheer drop-offs, okay? <laughs> the winding roads, the fact that you are very high up and you're either going up or going down. That is not the time to be like, Oh, 25. Now I got this at 40. Okay, not the time for that. And so I was glad to see them really driving that home and pulling those people over that needed to do that. Because one of the people that got pulled over, I was like, karma. Because what happened was they were riding our tail. Yeah, and, and they were, were getting, angry that we yes, were going the speed limit. Yes, and then they 
just very Let's aggressively see. passed us and then we got down to the bottom of the hill and they were pulled over and I just was like it's one of the greatest mm. feelings in the world when you see that when somebody <laughs> cuts you off and they get pulled over oh it's yeah, fantastic it, it felt pretty good I waved on our way past uh, so while we're back to Mesa Verde why don't we talk about some of the things that you can do so what could you in do the park well let's besides start besides <laughs> drive this road at the speed limit let's start with what I think is is probably the thing you want to do if you are only doing a day a half day in the park and there are a lot of people that are just coming that direction they want to stop and see it they don't have time for a long mm -hmm. stay what you're probably going to do in that case is the mesa top auto loop tour yes and before we get into that a just a word to the wise uh there is a mesa verde app that mm -hmm. you can get. Do not wait though to get it until you're in the park and you want to take that loop tour or you want to find out things about the park. Download that ahead of time before you get to the park. Download it at the campground or while you're in route because you're going to lose service and that's not going to download. How do I know this? Because I did the thing I'm telling you not to do. So one of the things that's really great about this app right now in the COVID world that we're living in is it has a lot of the information that you would normally get from a ranger or from a visitor center. So you can really utilize it to find out about trails and to, you know, get that audio tour, which is really, really wonderful. So when you get up there and you're going to do that loop tour, I do believe if memory serves me right, there are 16 stops I don't, I don't know Maybe how 12. many stops there are. No, there were more than 12. Okay. Because, see, this is the issue. I don't know how many there were because you were, I was uh, you were underestimating to the kids. Yes, I how was. How many there were like, oh, there's only like three more stops and there's like yes. 12 more stops. So I don't actually know how many there were because of that. But I believe it's like something like uh, 16. But I was, I was shortchanging how much longer yes. we had to go because everyone was getting it, a little grumpy. It does take a while because all these stops are like stop and get out and yes. walk down a little path not not trails or anything but little paths all paved uh to see different sites some of the sites are uh pit houses which are the oldest dwellings in the park mm -hmm. um and some of the sites are cliff dwellings themselves and then towards the end of the loop tour is what they call downtown mesa verde which that was cool it's stop after stop is just cliff dwelling after cliff dwelling and they're just dozens of them along the walls and then the final one is cliff palace which is the biggest one yeah and so the thing about these is that you know i recommend just personally that you get back in the car and then you listen to the audio tour before you get to the next stop and and you go in now you can take a big rig rv on this loop tour I don't know that I'd want to take a 45-foot Class A on it just because of the parking at all these individual stops. Yeah. Um, we saw people doing it, so you can. It's just, especially on a busy day, it might be a challenge. You might have to skip some stops because of that. Um, yeah, it's got Cades Cove's vibe about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. seriously. Uh, but it, it, it is gorgeous. We almost didn't do it. Uh, we did it on our last day, and I'm super glad we did. Now, we obviously, because of the coronavirus, could not do any of the cliff dwelling tours. There are three main cliff dwelling tours, and these are a big reason why I think a lot of people skip this park. is because they hear about these tours, and they hear about this being why you go to this park, which I'm sure it's amazing. But you have to go up some steep wooden ladders to 
to visit most of these cliff dwellings up and down them. And uh, there's no limitations on age or height or anything. But if you do have infants, you have to carry them on your back and a carrier, stuff like that. And people are nervous about heights and they're nervous, rightly so, for some people about these ladders. And they think, oh, that's not for me. I'm not going there. <laughs> uh, but it, I would promise you like the views from this loop tour uh, of the cliff dwellings are worth it on their own uh, without even doing the tours. I'm very happy we went even though uh, the tours were closed down. Now, the other thing that you can do at Mesa Verde is of course hiking. This is a very big park. There is lots of mileage of trails and uh, we did probably the greatest trail we've ever been on. Oh. For sure. It was the best hike we have ever taken as a family, but it was the best hike I personally have also ever been on. And that is called the Petroglyph Trail. It seems deceptive. It's 2.4 miles. You're going to start over at Spruce Treehouse, which is the first cliff dwelling parking lot you're going to hit when you get to the top. It's kind of at the museum area. So they're yes. at the top of... of Chapin Mesa, Chapin, Chapin, I think it's I'm Chapin not sure. Mesa. We usually don't say these things, it, right? It is the park, is the park headquarters and a museum and a bunch of restrooms. Restrooms are open right now. The museum, of course, is not. Um, but behind the museum, there is a trailhead uh, where, where this cliff dwelling is, mm -hmm. the Spruce Treehouse. And if you continue, there's not well marked. If you continue down that trail, both the uh, the Spruce Canyon Trail and the Petroglyph Point Trail follow the same path for a while before they diverge. And so we didn't go on Spruce Canyon, although Jack, who had gone ahead of us, did. <laughs> for a while. Yes, and thankfully we were able to call him back because we got to the fork in the road and we were like, anybody want to take a guess which way Jack went? Basically, this is a big canyon, <laughs> Spruce Canyon, and the Spruce Canyon Trail goes down into the canyon floor and out and around it and back yes. up. And the Petroglyph Point Trail that we went on hugs the canyon walls and stays mostly high the whole way. So it's sort of, uh, it's steep drop-offs-ish, Ish. but not scary steep drop-offs. Like there's like, there's like rolling hill before steep drop-off. And we didn't really, like we worry about our kids a lot on stuff yes. that's super steep. And we didn't have to worry too much about our kids on this trail. No, not at all. But what's so interesting about this trail, and they don't really do a very good job about this in the description of the trail when they give you the hiking map or when they even give you the actual map of the park, is that it is a lot of climbing, a lot of down, a lot of up. Towards the end of the trail, after you have passed the petroglyphs, there is a like there's hand foothold climbing. It's just one level up from one ledge to another. But you know, this isn't one of those trails that, you know, two years ago I would have wanted to do with no. our kids because I would have been wearing Henry on my back by the time we got to some point in it. Three well, years, I should say. But right now, they're kind of the perfect age for it because yes. it's fun because it's rock scrambles and yes. it's rock, lots of rock hallways that you got, get to go yeah, through. It, and uh, then there's the petroglyphs, which is, you know, the in the name of the trail. But that's not the real only reason to go on this trail. Like if you're not interested in petroglyphs, I think they're amazing. But if you're not interested in them, don't skip this trail because of that. This is what's really great about this trail too, is while Jason has described the trailhead that you can start at, there is another way that you can go that will just take you across the top of the mesa. 
It's a it's a loop. So yes. you you go counterclockwise, and the last so you sort of at the end you climb up to the rim of the canyon. Yeah. And you're on flat land for the rest of that. Which was <laughs> an amazing feeling for those of us who had been hiking yeah. for like 1.6 miles and had just our you know thighs were burning because we were so exhausted from going up and down. It's such a treat to get to the top of the mesa and you're like, flat land, flat land. And in fact, you can see a video of this trail because Jason put a video together uh, for Mesa Verde and for our time there over at the RV Miles YouTube channel under Our Wandering Family videos. And you can kind of get an idea of what we're talking about because it's so hard to describe it because visually it's just, it's so stunning. Don't be intimidated by it. Don't be intimidated because we're telling you that there's a lot of up and down and a little bit of climbing. Don't be intimidated by that. If we can do it, you can do it. Trust me. And what's so great though is what I was getting at was if you don't have what took us about three hours to accomplish, if you don't have that time, you can walk clockwise from the museum and do the trail that just takes you along the mesa. And if you want, you can go down just a little bit. There's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a steep walk down. You're going to go about a mile total and you're going to hit the petroglyphs and you can yeah. check them out. Then you just turn around, you climb back up a little bit and then you walk the mesa. If you don't have the time to devote to this 2.6 mile trail, which or, don't think 2.6 miles is easy. Right. It, yeah. No, it, we, we're, we're the kings of, of, of underestimating trails yes. by, by their mileage. This but, has had a lot of Voyagers <laughs> flashbacks happening while we were doing this trail. But also, if you don't have the physical ability to do this trail, this is a good way. Because it is flat gravel, that whole first three quarters of a mile. And even if you don't want to climb down to the petroglyphs, the views up here oh. are just incredible. Incredible. So incredible. And we passed a few hikers. We didn't encounter a ton of people, but we did pass a few hikers, or I should say they passed us because often that's what happens is we, we move a little bit slower than the solo hiker or the couple hiker. And across the board, everyone just kept saying, this has been my most favorite hike. Hasn't this hike just been spectacular? I, everyone, I think, goes into it expecting one thing, which we did. And then you get into it and you just go, this is nothing like I thought it was going to be. And then we felt so proud when we finished that trail. The kids were so proud of themselves. Henry counted 679 yuccas on this hike. <laughs> we were so proud of ourselves. We celebrated by going to Sonic Cortez. <laughs> Which you can see at the end of that video. Yes, because we were not going home and making some food. So we went and got some mozzarella sticks and cherry limeades and Sonic burgers and they hit the spot. Now, if you don't want to do a long hike, but some, some shorter, uh, easy trails are more up your alley, we can recommend the Knife Edge Trail and the Point Lookout Trail. Both are going to give you some stunning views of the Montezuma Valley that's this sort of outside of the park where Cortez is and all that. Uh, you can see these views from the road as well, but um, they're, they're sort of nice little short one mile out and back. So two mile total trails that you can check out. And we broke down all of the different trail options that we, uh, that we recommend and a whole lot more about the park in an article that we've got up on the RV Miles website. This is sort of a new thing that we're going to be doing is a, a series of articles that are 
RVers guide to a certain national park. Mm. So we have an article up on the RVMiles.com website that is RVers guide to Mesa Verde National Park, where we cover a lot of the stuff we talked about here today and a little bit more. If you are planning on going, I think it's a real good um, way to break down all the different things that you have to think about in, in an RV uh, when you're visiting a certain park. So that's Mesa Verde. There it is. It's an amazing park. Go to it. Do not skip it. And check out that video on the RV Miles YouTube channel uh, to really see some of the views that we're talking about. Uh, I, I think you're, you're going to love it, and I think you're going to want to go. We'll be right back. The RV Miles podcast is supported by Hughes Autoformers, makers of the Power Watchdog Smart Surge Protector. Electrical surge protection is one of the cheapest insurance policies you can provide for your RV, and the Power Watchdog beats the competition with field replaceable surge modules. With other brands, when the surge protector takes a large surge or spike, you have to throw it away. The Power Watchdog can be brought back to life with one small, affordable part you can replace yourself. It's the last surge protector you need to buy. Use the coupon code RVMILES, all one word, for 10% off your order at HughesAutoFormers.com. That's code RVMILES for 10% off at HughesAutoFormers.com. Or click the Hughes logo in the show notes for this episode. And RV Miles is supported by the Highway Weather app. When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority, which is why the Highway Weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route, adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out, get severe weather alerts, add rest stops to long trips, and more. Did I mention all of that's included free in the app? For subscribers, there's a hands-free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store. And we'll link to both the Hughes Autoformer Power Watchdog and the Highway Weather app at rvmiles.com slash 152. The show notes for this episode. I got to say, uh, a friend of ours in the RV Miles Facebook group uh, started using their new Power Watchdog the other day. They have a new uh, hookup at their home for their RV that they had just wired themselves and they used the Power Watchdog and the little face on the Bulldog turned red which means don't plug into this. And, uh, and it told them, you know, what the error was and they were able to, able to correct it. And they were very happy with the device. We have been so happy with that power watchdog it is really a great surge protector oh, electrical I love it. system. It's so great too yeah. with the app so that when I decide to leave the electric heater on, run the air conditioning and then turn on the microwave and everything goes which happens more than it Which should. Which happens more than it should because we forget about that electric wire I heater. can pull the app out and turn it back on in my underwear. <laughs> or if it's raining or you're, whatever. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> I don't walk around in my underwear, okay? Just, okay. just as let's, let's, let's be clear on that. Let, look, now you have told a story about <laughs> no, trying to no, take no. a shower, and now <laughs> you're telling a story about your underwear and the highway, and the, your underwear and the, <laughs> and the power watchdog. It is time for a fresh tank, black tank. We need to move on. All right. What's your black tank this week? I got none. I got none. You're no black tank this week. I got week. no black tank this Everything's week. Everything's great. Everything is great. I have nothing. There's no reason every week right. to always need a black tank. I got nothing. I love it. What's your fresh tank? Hamilton. I figured. Hamilton. I figured. Yeah. In case you that didn't was, know, yeah. Hamilton is on Disney Plus now. I've only watched it. Um, well, I don't have enough, <laughs> I don't have enough fingers. <laughs> 
So here's the thing. I have waited four years to see Hamilton. I have heard Hamilton many of times, but I have never seen it. I have refused to watch anything because my hope was, was that I would always see it in the theater first. And that's how I wanted to experience it. But that's just not possible. So we sat down Friday night, July 3rd, and we put it on and I watched it for the first time and I laughed and I cried and I learned things that I didn't know just by listening to it. And it was awesome it was so good. it was a great way to spend fourth of july weekend i think it'll it be an be annual tradition for absolutely. sure absolutely it was really really good so i'm not going to say anything more about it i could talk for hours and hours and hours but i will not jason what is your black tank uh my black tank is something called gorv please explain gorv. gorv so i didn't know what this was at first because i was only seeing it on my phone like you know scrolling facebook or whatever you get a video ad and i see it and it's like all red letters g-o-r and it looked like a u because it was a one of those v's with the curvy bottom and it looked like goru <laughs> but then i listened to the to the ad and it's gorv which is go go rv but they're saying gorv they're saying in gorv. this commercial it is this commercial starts off with like a drummer with the wrong drumsticks and then there is like <laughs> a line of of people dressed like monkeys there it's, is bigfoot there is all kinds of weird the stuff biggest pancake is made at the campground so look because we thought oh this it's officially happened we're just too old yeah. for this young stuff so we set jack down because we were like okay jack we can you watch this like uh, we didn't tell him anything about it. We just wanted his opinion. And he just kept going, huh? Huh? It, well, like, it's one I of those would... ads. It's like what? intentionally meant to like be confusing. Like, oh, like, you know, it's quirky and fun, but weird. But I don't know how it sold anybody on RVs. No, you know how, <laughs> you know how Abbey Road and like Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, like those were cool. And they were really, they had a lot of psychedelic and like really kind of out there themes to them. And even some of those movies that they made around that time, like the, I, I had this sort of that vibe going the whole time, except not in a cool Beatles way. No, exactly. You know, and I, I thought <laughs> there's too, like I literally was like, there's too many people filing out of this class B right now. Like there's, this is not happening. If anyone thinks they're taking 10 of their closest friends with them in this class B to go camping so they can make the world. I don't even know how you count pancake. that. It so, so happened so quick. Everything's so I quick in this thing. It. I, it, listen, you just got to look at it. It's, uh, luckily I, this is not this is not go go RVing's only campaign this summer like they have campaigns targeted at you know people that can afford RVs uh, but but also like uh, I think I, I'm a little confused as well, to we're just old no I'm a little confused as to why the go, <laughs> why the RV industry association is spending a dollar on advertising right now oh, right they because they're the, the, the from what I understand Dealers are just suffering from severe shortages on their lots right now. They yeah. they don't have RVs to sell. I mean, they do, but they're they're running out of inventory because the manufacturing lag. The manufacturers are trying to ramp back up and and crank more units out, but they obviously were shut down for a while. So uh, I just I have a I have a couple things. I just really would have liked to have been in the room when they were doing focus groups on this. Gorv, who did they focus group it to? Because it does really have this feeling of like 
a complete disconnect from the generation that they're trying to reach because I really do think we shortchange our younger generations and we think that they're just a bunch of quirky exactly. individuals who don't know how to do anything on a serious nature or really think anything through and if they go camping they're going to act like a bunch of dweebs and that's not what this generation is this is not these are really really smart young people who are doing really really amazing things and i really do think that this commercial short changes them and just makes it seem like i am gonna go back to it again the giant pancake yeah i don't know what that was that about well you know what it's it's like to me it it was like I, i feel like there was a bunch of executives in a room that were like i don't know what that means but I see other companies <laughs> advertising in the same way. They just hashtag. So it must be good. And, yeah. There's a hashtag and we've got a cool saying that kids a, are gonna kids are gonna start going around saying Gorf. Well, and they put that vintage filter over yeah. it too that made it look a little grainy or like it was like a um like a super eight film in some places, I think. And it just it's just, it just But you're right, it, it talks it's it's talking down yes, to a generation. It and, really is. And, and that is my real issue with and it. And Jack for sure. felt like he Jack was like I I I said, Jack, would you call your friend Nate and be like, you want to go Gorv this weekend? <laughs> and he's like, no. Would you say, would you go Gorv or would you Gorv? You or, can't say go Gorv. That's saying go twice. <laughs> so I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm gonna sit it again. Let's Gorv right. this. week. We're going to Gorv this weekend. Look, Jason, we're just getting older and we can't Gorv like we used to, okay? <laughs> we're Gorving a lot right now, okay? All right. All right. It's time to wrap this up. No, it's not, because I have a fresh tank. Oh, can I do God. that? Am I allowed to do that? All right. This may seem like a black tank wrapped in a fresh tank, it's, but it's not. I promise. It's not. My fresh tank is people who can keep it together on social media. God bless you. We love. We you. salute you. We really do. People who are not rude, angry, grumpy, mean overly political, <laughs> all of those things. We've been dealing with so much, especially in our national parks facebook group right now trying to navigate uh, a lot of the difficult conversations that are happening right now in a respectful way and people like to just go in and drop grenades and but that that's not my fresh tank my fresh my fresh tank is those of you who do not go and drop the grenades thank you very much and for keeping it together on social media yes well let's just leave it there (laughs) let's leave it there it's time to wrap this episode up all right, it is time for the brain teaser for this week. What number gives you the same result when it is added to five as when it is multiplied by five? Mm. Another math one. You know we love our math. We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. We absolutely will. And if you are enjoying RV Miles podcast, please go over to Apple Podcast and leave a five-star review and let us know what you're enjoying. We love the five-star review, but we love even more when you leave a comment and let us know what is working for you. It's amazing. If you want to get a hold of us, we are all across social media. Y'all know this. We are at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We've got two to three new videos coming out on YouTube every single week. We hope you'll go over and check them out. Let us know what you think about them. Share your thoughts with us over in the RV Miles Facebook group. What a fantastic group of people over there. To all of you in that group, thank you for being so kind and so helpful and making it just so easy for us to be You guys aren't like the National Parks group at all. You guys are the best. (laughs) You all are fantastic. So that's it for this week. 
If you have other questions, suggestions for topics of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. We genuinely want to do what you are interested in. Editor at rvmiles.com is how you can get a hold of both Jason and I. And until next week, please be well and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody.